approaching him for initiation. And they both said, in effect, if you don't accept me, there's no meaning to my life. I might as well just end this life right now. So that kind of uh, eagerness and determination won over those respective gurus, and so they were granted initiation. Ye anilo prema dana karuna prachu Ye anilo prema dana karuna prachu Eno prabhu kota gilama charja chaku Ena Prabhu Kota Gila Kaspora Swaru Rupam Kahasanata
Translation, he who brought the treasure of divine love and who was filled with compassion and mercy, where has such a personality as, who was it? Srinivas Acharya Gan, Narottam's close friend. Where are my Swarup Damodar and Rupa Goswami? Where is Sanatan? Where is Raghunath Das, the savior of the fallen? Where are my Raghunath Bhatt and Gopal Bhatt? And where is Krishna Das Kaviraj? Where did Lord Goranga, the great dancer, suddenly go? I will smash my head against a rock and enter into fire. Where will I find Lord Goranga, the reservoir of all wonderful qualities? Srila Gaurakishore Das Babaji Maharaj Ki. So we'll read a little bit, a couple of pages from Bhakti Vikash Maharaj's Bhakti Sanatha Bhagavad, right in the first volume we find what happened at the disappearance. It was 1915 of Srila Gaurakishore. Srila Gaurakishore Das Babaji. Srila Gaurakishore Das Babaji Maharaj disappeared from this plane on 16 November 1915. Several heads of temples had been awaiting his departure in hope of situating his samadhi in their individual mutts to attract pilgrims and thereby increase their own prestige and income. This is Kali Yuga. Let's see. They wanted the, pres they wanted the prestige of having his samadhi in their place. It's good for business, right? Sound familiar? <laughs> Those kind of values still prevail in Kali Yuga. Thus the competition generated by his passing was intense and nasty. A young man named Umapati described the scene. Okay, described the scene. So this is his description. After Babaji Maharaja's departure, there were many opinions and disturbances over who would establish his samadhi. Hira Lala Goswami and a few others sent Sri Padmanabha Brahmachari, alias Sri Krishna Chaitanya Das, to Mayapur to fetch Srila Prabhupada, that means Srila Bhakti Siddhanta, and told me to go with him. As we were crossing the river by ferry boat, we saw Prabhupada coming barefooted and wearing a warm green chatter. With him was Sri Paramananda Brahmachari. It was Chaturmasya and Prabhupada's hair and beard were long. Seeing him, we prostrated in respect and apprised him in detail of the situation. After crossing the river, Prabhupada arrived at the Rani Dharmshala, where Babaji Maharaj used to stay. The Mahantas of the Aktas in Nabadweep were arguing among themselves about taking Babaji Maharaj's spiritually blissful body for inaugurating his samadhi, because the shrine of such a Siddha Mahatma could be used to raise money. Srila Prabhupada balked, I should say at, balked at their, anyway, balked at their illegitimate attempts. I didn't know balk could be used as a transitive verb, but we'll take Maharaja's word for it. Srila Prabhupada balked their Ill illegitimate attempts. Apprehending a breach of peace, the Nabadwe police inspector arrived. After much hullabaloo, Ababaji remonstrated. Yes, I think that means scolded. Siddhanta Saraswati is not a renunciant. <laughs> In other words, he's not officially a sannyasi. And therefore not eligible to establish a samadhi for a renunciant. Prabhupada thunderously retorted, I am the only disciple of Paramahansa Babaji Maharaj. Even though I am not officially a renunciant, I am a celibate brahmachari. And by the grace of Babaji Maharaj, I am not furtively addicted to abominable habits or involved in fornication as are certain simian people. Simian means monkey-like. 
<laughs> if anyone here is a renunciant of truly stainless character, we have no objection to his establishing Babaji Maharaja's Samadhi. He who within the last one year or six months, one month, or at least within the last three days, has not had any illicit contact with a woman, will be able to touch this spiritually blissful body. If anyone touches it, he will be completely ruined. The police inspector asked Prabhupada how evidence of this could be ascertained, to which Prabhupada replied that he would accept their word. <laughs> Everyone present was astonished to see those dressed as Babaji's turn their backs one by one and quietly disappear. <laughs> so this is Umapadi Brahmacharya's account. Then Maharaj continues, Some two to three months before his departure during apparent sickness, Srila Gaurakishore Das Babaji had called Sri Siddhanta Saraswati from Mayapur and instructed that his samadhi should be established either in Mayapur or Godrum. That's Bhaktivinoda's place. But if neither of these alternatives were possible, then his body should be dragged by municipal sweepers through the streets of Kulia. That's also in the Navadvita Mando. Kulia, that's actually, I think, where Tamal Krishnamaraj passed away in Kulia. Yeah. No. No? What was the name of the place? That's Kulia. Kulia. Kulia is the town of Navadvita. Ah, okay. <laughs> and finally, thrown in the Ganga. But due to pressure from others, Sri Siddhanta Saraswati was now able to take the transcendental form of his Guru Maharaj to Mayapur. Nor could he accede to those persons reiterating Babaji Maharaj's words that his form be towed in the streets. In response to their demand, Sri Siddhanta Saraswati stated, My Sri Gurudev, whom Krishna Chandra himself feels privileged to carry on his head and shoulders, spoke such humble words to destroy the arrogance of non-devotees. Even though we are fools, the humble we referring to himself, even though, though we are fools, inexperienced, and offenders, we shall not be averse to comprehending his actual intent. How greatly was Sri Gaurasundar embellished by dancing while holding on his lap the spiritual blissful form of Takur Haridas after his passing. Following in Sriman Mahaprabhu's footsteps, we shall carry the transcendental form of Babaji Maharaj on our heads. The next day, with his own hands, Sri Siddhanta Saraswati dug out and shaped the samadhi on an alluvial bank of the Ganga in Kulia, in the vicinity where Babaji Maharaj had performed such bhajan. The site was owned by the brothers Ananta and Vanamali Podar, prosperous businessmen who had been assisting Srila Saraswati Thakur for some years and were accepted within his circle. Claiming to have donated that property and given up all rights to it, they personally labored and spent money both for establishing a plinth theriat. I don't know what that means. That's, that's a misprint. T-H-E-R-E-A-T. Anybody? Oh, well, it just says T-H-E-R-E-A-T. -E -E that isn't spelled Tirta, but if anybody... That's what it's supposed to be. Okay, well, that's pretty raunchy misprint. And later for daily services conducted there under Srila Siddhanta Saraswati's direction and for the large annual festival celebrating Babaji Maharaja's Tirubhav. That's today, disappearance anniversary. Yet after a few years, Ananta and Vanamali's outlook changed, and they attempted to claim that site in the transcendental dam as family property. Ignoring the repeated protests of Srila Siddhanta Saraswati and his followers and sympathizers, the, brother, the brothers eventually forbade them access to the samadhi. As a result of these heinous offenses, Ananta and Vanamali soon lost their considerable Pelf, I think that's an obscure Anglo-Saxon word for wealth. Very obscure. Yeah, pelf, I never heard of that one, but I bet it's in the dictionary. As a result of the, okay, pelf, and underwent acute domestic problems, later losing both the samadhi and the land on which it was situated and being sent to jail for six months. Wow. Well, um, I'd like to read, let's see. No, it just goes on. 
I think we better get to the class. But it's a couple of more pages you want to hear. Yeah. Yeah, it's really uh, quite amazing. Upon Babaji Maharaja's disappearance, Sri Siddhanta Saraswati inwardly bemoaned, Now who will chastise me to make me understand the truth as it is? Having seen many disturbances arise in the Vaishnava community following the Tirobhava of Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur, just 16 months before, feeling disappointment and hopelessness and keenly suffering the absence of his two muses, inspirations, Sri Siddhanta Saraswati resolved to keep to himself and desist from speaking Harikata to others. So he's really mourning. Although he had co commented on eight of the eleven verses of Anubriti, a further elaboration on Srila Bhaktivinoda's Piyusha Varshini Briti Glas on Srila Rupa Goswami Upadeshamrita, which he was composing on Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur's specific order, he ceased working on it. He lamented, To whom will I show my articles and books? Who will take pleasure in my writings and encourage me to continue? Who will take pleasure in hearing about the preaching work? and the increasing splendor of the Dham and our service to it. He's really, he, he, this is such a Vaishnava, he always wants everything run by his superiors, people who he considers his superiors, although he himself was a ray of Vishnu. Practically foregoing food and sleep, he remained engaged in intense bhajan while wrestling with a dilemma. His heart reverberated with Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur's order that he not renounce service to Mahaprabhu, and seeing the mass of people spoiling their valuable human life, simply taking birth and then dying without information of or interest in the incomparable boons offered by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Sri Siddhanta Saraswati was unceasingly contemplating the need to preach. So there's that conflict. He wants to renounce and go off, but he's it's been ordered to preach and the need Yet having experienced the kind of malicious opposition he would have to face for speaking the truth, he was reluctant to return to public life. Then one day a gust of wind blew before him an extract from Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita, wherein Lord Chaitanya instructed Sanatana Goswami to compose transcendental literature, renovate forgotten holy places, institute service to Lord Krishna, and propagate Bhakti Rasa. Taking this as a divine indication, but feeling depressed and incapable, Sri Siddhanta Saraswati pondered, quote, I have no public support, nor wealth, learning, or the intelligence required to wake an interest in the populace. How can I convey to the inhospitable world the pure teachings of Sri Chaitanya and establish the manobhishta of my gurus, the desire? intently what they had in mind. Shortly afterward, one night at the Yogapit, Lord Chaitanya's birthplace, in a dreamlike revelation he saw approaching him from the east the Panchatattva, the six Goswamis of Vrindavan. <laughs> wow. He's having this massive visitation. Srila Jagannath Das Babaji Maharaj, Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur, Srila Gaurakishwar Das Babaji Maharaj, and numerous other great devotees of Lord Chaitanya. They told him, Saraswati, why are you worrying? Begin the task of establishing Shuddha Bhakti. Distribute Gauravani universally. Expand service to Goranam, Goradham, and Gorakam. <laughs> the name of Lord Chaitanya, the place of Lord Chaitanya, and the desire of Lord Chaitanya. With unbreached enthusiasm, broadcast Bhakti Siddhanta. We are eternally with you, ready to help. The support of unlimited people, immeasurable opulence, and boundless scholarship awaits the blessing to serve your mission. All will manifest when required. Come forward with full strength to distribute the message of Mahaprabhu's Prema Dharma throughout the globe. No worldly hindrance or menace will be able to obstruct this undertaking of yours. We are forever with you. So this is all footnoted. I'm just 
itching to find out. I mean, it must have come from Siddhanta Saraswati, but this is very reminiscent of Prabhupada Radhadamadar Temple, having a visitation from his Guru Maharaj and Rupa Goswami, he, he admitted, when pressed by Hari Shari later. Next, this is the last few lines. Next morning, the few young disciples who had gathered round him saw for the first time in many days his face refulgent, not effulgent, refulgent, <laughs> in happiness. He related to them the vision he had seen. Before long, he resumed working on anubritti and thenceforth his avidity for preaching was fully rekindled and unretractable. So that's the end of the chapter. And as we've heard from Srila Prabhupada, our Srila Prabhupada, uh, Siddhanta Saraswati, then he became Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati because of the vision. And he sat down before a picture of his Guru Maharaj and he accepted sannyas from the picture. And that effectively was the beginning of his mission, the Gauriya mission. Jai. Srila Gaurakishwar Das Babaji Maharaj Ki. Jai. Now we'll go to today's verse. I make, I make one comment. Yes. I think it's very notable how <clears throat> he was such a great, powerful brahmachari, even before he took sannyas. And then so he issued that challenge that no one that's, no, no, these were all Babajis who were supposed to be celibate. Right. And then the police commissioner said, well, how are you going to know whether it's what they say is true or not? He says, I will accept their word. They were too afraid of him. Yeah, right. They couldn't even speak a lie in front. They just turned around and walked away because like, that's Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati. He's the, or Siddhanta Saraswati. He's the real deal. <laughs> you know, he was the son of Bhakti Vinod Thakur, the greatest living scholar of his day. Yeah. They were no way they were going to challenge him. They just walked away. So, yeah. 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 Never mind. Yeah. And also, didn't he say that if you touch him, you'll be burned to ashes? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Anyone so who tries to touch him who's not pure. Right. You'd be destroyed. That's yeah. right. So they basically, okay, it's like a big curse, you know. And given by him, forget it. Okay. We're <laughs> not going to argue anymore. Yeah. You don't find brahmatages like that power of exactly. That's rare, rare. How do you but he was with Don San Casapas now. This reminds me. <clears throat> Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. 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 Reading from the Srimad Bhagavatam, translation and commentary by Srila Prabhupada, Canto 3, the status quo, chapter 14, Pregnancy of Ditti in the Evening. Text number 6. Yayotanapadaputro 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 Munina Gita Yar Yo crit five a mord young grim, yo crit wise a mord young grim. Aruro hahare padam, Aruro hahare padam. Yo tana padaputro, yo tana padaputro. Munina gita yar bhakaha, Munina gita yar bhakaha. Yo crit five a mord young grim. Rit-yo-krit-vai-va-mur-dhyam-grim 
from the sage Narada, topics of incarnations, the son of King Uttanapad, Dhruva, was enlightened regarding the personality of Godhead, and he ascended to the abode of the Lord, placing his feet over the head of death. Please repeat. By hearing these topics, from the sage Narada, the son of King Uttanapad, Dhruva, was enlightened regarding the personality of Godhead. And he ascended to the abode of the Lord, placing his feet over the head of death. Shri Prabhupada's purport, while quitting his body, Maharaj Dhruva, the son of King Uttanapad, was attended by personalities like Sunanda and others who received him in the kingdom of God. He left this world at an early age as a young boy. Now, young boy, don't take it like a five-year-old boy. Take it like, like sometimes Prabhupada would say about himself, I was just a boy, you know, when he met Bhakti Siddhanta. Actually, he was 22 years old, but that's one way of talking. <laughs> As a young boy, and, that, and I'm saying that because that explains the rest of the sentence, he left this world at an early age as a young boy, although he had attained the throne of his father and had several children of his own. 
Because he was due to quit this world, death was waiting for him. He did not care for death, however, and even with his present body, he boarded a spiritual airplane and went directly to the planet of Vishnu because of his association with the great sage Narada, who had spoken to him the narration of the pastimes of the Lord. Shiva Prabhupada Jai. Om Ajnana Tibirandasya Jnana Anjana Shalakaya Chakshurum Militam Jena Tasmai Sri Gurave Namaha. I was born in the darkest ignorance, and my spiritual master is opening my eyes with the torch of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances unto him. Third canto is just so, it's long, and it's powerful. And what we're going to get into now, I, I was reading a little back in the, in the chapter, or, or in the last chapter, 33, and then forward. So uh, what's been happening up to this point is that, well, let's go back to text two. Yeah. The Dura, he's, he's not, sad, he's, he's, he's getting such a taste for hearing. Of course, he already has a taste, but he, he has such a taste for hearing Krishna Kata that he just wants to hear more and more about this other pastime of Varaha that... Uh, Maitreya only alluded to, like back in text 2, Sri Vidura said, O chief amongst this great sages, I have heard by disciplic succession that Hiranyaksha, the original demon, was slain by the same form of sacrifices, the personality of Godhead, Lord Bora. Because what we've been hearing mainly is how the earth fell into the Garbhadak Sea and how Lord Bor uh, picked her up with his tusks and gave her the potency to give shelter to all living entities situated back in her orbit. But there was a whole uh, allusion, reference, back in the previous chapter, 13, 31, and 32. Let's look at that. Because Maitreya has given hints that there's something else going on just besides the Earth getting back in her orbit, like 31. Maitreya had said, Lord Bor, or yes, Maitreya said, Lord Bor very easily took the earth on his tusks and got it out of the water. Thus he appeared very splendid. And then he just says something which is a complete jump to the other colored incarnation, the red incarnation. Then his anger glowing like, like the Sudarshan wheel, he immediately killed the demon, which hadn't even been mentioned. Hiranyaksha, although he tried to fight, although he, the demon, tried to fight with the Lord. And now Prabhupada resolves that the two things in the purport, you might remember Prabhupada citing Srila Jiva Goswami. Purport, according to Srila Jiva Goswami, the Vedic literature described the incarnation of Lord Varaha, Bor, in two different devastations, namely the Chakshusha devastation and the Svayambhuva devastation. This particular appearance of the Bor incarnation the one where he just picked up the earth on the tusk without mentioning the demon, uh, took place in the Svayambhuva destination. So that was back. When all planets other than the higher ones, Jana, Mahar, and Satya, merged in the water of devastation, this particular incarnation of the boar was seen by the inhabitants of the planets mentioned above. Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti suggests that the sage Maitreya amalgamated, emerged, both the boar incarnation, both the boar incarnations in different devastations and summarized them in his description to Bidura. So, so far he's described how the Lord Bore as a, in a whitish complexion picked up the earth and situated her uh, properly. So she could be uh, in a position to sustain all living entities which had were yet to come. Shatarupa and Svayambhuva Manu, they were charged by Lord Brahma with populating the universe, but the earth, the earth was underwater. <laughs> hey, what, 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 how are we going to do this, right? So now we're going to get into the red incarnation. But uh, the, the name of the chapter is Pregnancy of Didi in the Evening. So what Maitreya is going to be doing, he's going to be taking the, the long view, as we say. You know, what happened, not only in the future, the long view, but what happened in the past? How did this demon even come about? 
and, and became the son of Kashyapa and Diti. So that's a whole that's a whole story. So let's see what I have in my notes here. Um, Maitreya Muni responds by taking Vidura back before the time of the demon king's birth. Just like we're all looking at each other, we're all sitting here, but we've been around before in other dramas, other incarnations, other lives. So, uh, so Maitreya is is going to describe now the be- really the beginning of the demon. And of course, where does this raise your hand if you can tell us where that demon came from? Vaikuntha. He was a gatekeeper, and that's the that's the uh, the real meta story. The, the 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 really big picture is that Krishna wanted to fight, and he can't fight in the spiritual world. He has to go to the other part of his creation, the material world. So he arranged this whole thing, as we know, the Kumaras cursed the gatekeepers because they wouldn't let these little boys. They just thought they were little boys by Krishna's yoga maya. They wouldn't let him at those pearly gates, as they say in, in the West, right? So, uh, so the, if we see the picture of the painting with the Sanat Kumar is cursing, <laughs> because they had a choice. We curse you to take birth in the material world. Three times as devotees or demons or seven times as devotees. So the gatekeepers, oh, oh my God, what have we done? Well, we want to come back to our seva for the Lord as soon as possible. So, okay, three is demons. And so this is the first one, Hiranyakshep. Hiranyakashipu, his enmity toward the Lord is because the Lord killed his brother. So, uh, but the the enmity, the original enmity of uh, the ill will, the hate of this demon for the Lord, it came from the Lord's own will, and and to teach us uh, many lessons. So the whole rest of the third canon, we're going to hear Maitreya and Vidura talking about um, how. Not only how the demon came to be a demon when he was a, a gatekeeper for the Lord, but about how us, how we come into the in, into the uh, into this world. So, in his, I have some more notes here. In his purports to the rest of this chapter, pregnancy of Diti in the evening, Prabhupada invites us to reflect on birth and death, which frame our lives. Our lives are framed by birth, right, and death. What is the rest? I forget. Uh, 2.27. Uh, you got it? Anyway. For one who was taken as birth, death is certain. Oh no, I'm merging two verses. Look at it. 2.27, 2.28. Gita's got my back, except I moved it. Gita's got my back. <laughs> Gita's got your back, it's true. But we don't want to put our back to the Gita. Krishna is everything, but everything isn't Krishna. Right? Yeah. One of those divine paradoxes. Here it is. One who has taken his birth is sure to die. And after death, one is sure to take birth again. Therefore, in the unavoidable discharge of your duty, you should not lament. All created beings are unmanifest in their beginning, manifest in their interim state, and unmanifest again when annihilated. So what need is there for lamentation? So our lives are framed by birth and death, and what we do in between determines where we go next. Okay, I'm just gonna, sorry, Dero. No. Okay, I wanna cross Dero. You hold it. <laughs> okay, so, so, um, <clears throat> Now, specifically, what we're going to be hearing is, and it's interesting, you can look at this birth and death and how we take birth and how we die from different perspectives. So how does the consciousness of parents conceiving a child attract a soul to take shelter of that union? So pregnancy of Diti in the evening, it was an inauspicious time and an inauspicious desire. Have you seen the painting where Diti is... Uh, appealing to her husband, mm-hmm. please have union with me. Uh, too much uh, desirous to unite with you. And Kashyapa, you see, is very grave. He knows. Uh oh. If we if we unite now, this is going to cause. This is going to. We're going to call a real demoniac personality now. This is. But he did it, and that we're going to see this. This is very. There's a lot of. 
elements that went into that decision. <clears throat> and then we can also look at it for how does the quality of one's consciousness at the, at the time of death propel one out of the body to one's next destination. So famous verse, 331.1, movements of the living entities. This is the kind of things we're going to be hearing. If you read this chapter, movements of the living entities, it's, it's Lord Kapila uh, is going to take his mother on this journey from the moment of conception to the moment of death in a very, as we say, granular way. It's very analytical. I mean, it, it's, you, you go right from the moment of conception right to the right to what's going on when the when the soul embodied soul comes out so in 331 one famous verse so this is lord kapila instructing his mother the personality of God had said, under the supervision of the Supreme Lord, so there's one factor, and according to the result of his work, the living entity, the soul, is made to enter into the womb of a woman through the particle of male semen to assume a particular type of body. And in the next verse, it goes into what happens right at that, that night. And the living entity takes take shelter of the, of the emulsion of the, the ovum and the sperm, and then what happens, how everything develops, and how he, wake, he finally gets consciousness in the seventh month. It's, this is a little preview of what we're into. What, what canto is this is, the, this is what we're going to be doing later on in this canto. This is just a little you know, preview. Now, um, okay. All right. And then... Maitreya Muni, he takes Vidura back to Hiranyaksha's previous existence at the Lord's Gatekeeper, which nicely segues, transitions into the next chapter. You know what the name of the next chapter is? You won't find the name of a chapter like this in any other scripture. Description of the kingdom of God. We're going to get intimate details of what's going on there. You know, the, the names, the forms, the activities. It's very amazing. Yeah. A preview of where we go when we, quote, conquer death. Like the devotee mentioned in today's verse. Who was mentioned in today's verse? Dhruva Maharaj. So, I'm going to go into that head of death verse because it's such, an, it's such a, a striking expression, isn't it? When you hear that. Let's go... Again, yes, upon hearing these topics, in other words, Krishna Kata, from the sage Narada, the son of King Uttanapada, Dhruva, was enlightened regarding the personality of Godhead, and he ascended to the abode of the Lord, placing his feet over the head of death. So here's how that went. Uh, oh, it's right on there. Okay. All right. It's Cano 4. And it's chapter 12, Dhruva Maharaj goes back to Godhead, text 30. Because, and it's alluded to, that it says uh, personalities like Sunanda and others. There was Nanda and Sunanda. They were the, the chief uh, uh, pickup people. The Lord wanted Dhruva back to Godhead, and he was, only, he was a young person. Like Parikshit Maharaj was 27. He had a kingdom. He had, uh, who was the child? Abhimanyu? Yeah. So, but he, as soon as he was cursed, he, for him it was a benediction. Okay, I'm just, he went right to the Ganga. Shugadev walked in. Everybody recognized Shugadev, stark naked, as being the most advanced person. So when Dhruva Maharaj, this is, um, so this is, it's, I haven't didn't look back, but it, it could be Maitreya, because it's, Maitreya and Uddhava are going to be talking all the way up to the sixth canto. When Dhruva Maharaj was attempting to get on the transcendental plane, he saw death personified approach him. Not caring for death, however, he took advantage of the opportunity to put his feet on the head of death. So we see death as the end, the grim reaper, right? But a pure devotee, ah, oh, very nice. 
Come, just put your hand right there. In other words, he sees death as a, as a, a, a what do you say, a, a, a door. <clears throat> this, is, this is an opportunity. And thus he got up on the airplane, which was as big as a house. We're going to hear about the mansion of uh, Kardam Muni or Devahuti later too. Now, Prabhupada's purport, it's pretty uh, wonderful. But I don't have to read the whole purport. It's just specific to this. Purport, to take the passing away of a devotee and the passing away of a non-devotee as one and the same is completely misleading. Mm. While ascending the transcendental airplane, Dhruva Maharaj suddenly saw death personified before him. I don't know, it doesn't specify if it's Yamaraj himself or Yamaduda or who it is, but it's, it's a representative of death. Mm. Uh, but he was not afraid. Instead of death's giving him trouble, Dhruva Maharaj took advantage of death's presence and put his feet on the head of death. People with a poor fund of knowledge do not know the difference between the death of a devotee and the death of a non-devotee. And then the famous example Prabhupada gives. In this connection, an example maybe can be given. A cat carries its kittens in its mouth, and it also catches a rat in its mouth. Superficially, the catching of the rat and the kitten appear to be one and the same, but actually they're not. When the cat catches the rat in its mouth, it means death for the rat. Whereas when the cat catches the kitten, the kitten enjoys it. When Dhruva Maharaj boarded the airplane, he took advantage of the arrival of death personified, who came to offer him obeisances. That's how he became the, <laughs> the footstool, because he bowed. Putting his feet on the head of death, he got up on the unique airplane, which is described here to be as big as a house. And then Prabhupada does mention Kardam. There are many similar instances in Bhagavad literature. It is stated that when Kardam Muni created an airplane to carry his wife, Devahuti, all over the universe, the airplane was like a big city, carrying many houses, lakes, and gardens. Modern scientists have manufactured big airplanes, but they are packed with passengers who experience all sorts of discomforts while riding in them. One more paragraph. Material scientists are not even perfect in manufacturing a material airplane. In order to compare to the plane used by Karda Muni or the plane sent from Vishnu Loka, they must manufacture an airplane equipped like a big city with all the comforts of life, lakes, gardens, parks, etc., their plane must be able to fly in outer space and hover and visit all other planets. If they invent such a plane, they will not have to make different space stations for fuel to travel into outer space. Such a plane would have an unlimited supply of fuel, or, like the plane from Vishnu Loka, would fly without it. <laughs> I read the whole program. <laughs> uh, so, um, I'd just like to ask you a question now. Based on that, what does it mean, what does it really mean to step on the head of death? You can take it literally and you can take it metaphorically, but what does it mean either way? Because everybody's afraid of death and we're all going to have to face it. And we try to like put it out of our mind and what's going to be the quality of my consciousness? You know, I, there's, every living entity experienced different qualities of consciousness at the time of death, even subhumans. Like, why are some dogs born to palatial circumstances? Even in Tucson, you see the doggy daycare. Mm -hmm. So that's a pampered dog. Mm -hmm. The owner doesn't want the dog barking and, and, you know, just tearing up the house because he's at work. So he's going to put the dog in doggy daycare. Actually, when I went to visit my friends last summer in Potomac, they had their dog in doggy daycare. And, he, and I went to pick up the dog with my friend. And the dog was in a swimming pool. <laughs> because the guy was teaching the dog how to swim. You know, that's part of the regiment. That's what you get for putting it. It was a real high-end doggy daycare, right? And, oh, my God, you know, I didn't say anything. <laughs> And some dogs are born in India. You see, go to India and you see these mangy dogs and they've got all kinds of cuts and, and you know, lacerations all over their body because they're just fighting 
over some lady dog, you know, or, or some scrap of food. And I mean, that's, there's different grades of dog birth. <laughs> yeah. So what does it mean to step on the head of that? To come out of the cycle of birth and death. Yeah. We take, is this what it said? Prophet said, you use death as an opportunity. Instead of being terrified of death, you take it, oh, yes. Ayur hariti vaipum saham udyanastanchayannaso tasyarte yakshano nita utamashloka vartaya. Both by rising and by setting, the sun decreases the duration of life of all living entities, except those who utilize their time by glorifying the all-good personality of Godhead, who is glorified with Uttama Shloka, choice poetry. So that's how we should use our time. Just try to empty this mind of all its you know, stuff by just filling it with wonderful pastimes of Krishna, shlokas, I call them word pictures, you know. So then that's the kind of consciousness that bestows upon us fearlessness because we know it's everything, time. When time approaches, that's Krishna. That's not some grim reaper. That's the coward boy calling us home. Like we heard our uh, Jimini baby was in such good consciousness because that's what she did her whole life. So she was preparing that consciousness, not for another birth, but to go home. And she couldn't wait, right? Is that what you saw? I hear you saw that. She couldn't, she couldn't wait. Mm -hmm. Similarly, Gunagrahi Maharaj, fearless of death, because Krishna had let him surround, he surrounded Maharaj with so many devotees and having kirtan every night. And, and you know, that's a, that's a fortunate departure. So that's what we have to do. Any other reflections on this, stepping on the head of death? There's a description in the uh, <clears throat> previous life of Narada Muni. Um, when he was the son of the maidservant. Mm. And then he was chanting his mantra, he received the darshan of the Lord, and then the Lord said, you won't see me again in this life. Yeah. And then it's also described his passing, and it was like uh, the illumination of uh, thunder and lightning simultaneously. Yeah. Yeah. It's a transition right. um, because of his consciousness is Krishna consciousness, and that consciousness is not broken, it's continuous. Right. So the transition from one life to going back to Godhead is just like that. Jivava Marova, either you live or die with Krishna. Yes, thunder and lightning simultaneously. There was no vidna, there was no difference between this life and it was just continuing of the consciousness. Same for Dhruva. I think it's almost amusing how he uh, he wanted to get on the Vaikuntha airplane. He needed a little step. Yeah, so, you know, there's like a little step up there. So he was saying, oh, yeah. Just put your head right there. Thanks for helping out. Yeah. <laughs> but, the, but death was all, he was, he was yes, my, my pleasure, my opportunity. Thank you so much. So these are our heroes. These are our role models. These are the people who we want to be like. Right. Like Srila Goraki Das Babaji Maharaj, um, we're not having any prasad in Maharaj's honor, so anybody want to say anything more they've read or heard? I think you said you, went, you saw something online. What did you see? Kiri Raj gave this great lecture. This morning? Some other time. Okay. What's the most you remember, but the best thing? Yeah, the best thing I, I thought was um, we talked about bhakti vinod. Say when you um, when you chant inattentively, you're creating offenses, but when you chant attentively, it destroys the offenses. Hmm. And that was just kind of a side thing. Nice. Yeah, actually, in that lecture. <laughs> Yerushalmi Shalmi says that he was praying to Lord Kishore Das Babaji. Uh, what can I do in my Krishna consciousness? You have some message for me. The answer came. Chant without offenses. Chant to me. 
Because he knew, he well knew Calcutta. Because I understand he was a some businessman or something before in his previous life. What was he? A grain merchant. A grain merchant. Okay, so that's where you go. You go where there's a lot of people. So he knew that. And then also, Bhakti Siddhanta uh, was um, criticized by the other Gaudiamat, I guess, disciples, saying that um, your spiritual master, Gaudiamat Das Bhattaji, told you never go to Calcutta, but that he did go to Calcutta to preach. His Prabhupada, our Prabhupada, said that um, if he was in Vaikuntha, always. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No matter where he was. We just, yeah, we just read how he didn't want to, he just wanted to leave, he was so bereft, but then he was heavied out, he was approached by the Panchatattva and the Goswamis, you have to preach. And he went he was, to Calcutta the day he took sannyas. He took sannyas and he immediately went to Calcutta to one rich um, supporter. Mm. Wanted to start the voting. Found the voting yeah. on that day. Mm. Same day he took him. 
Yeah, Altadanga Junction, you got that rooftop ashram. Okay, so um, we'll be fasting and serving until noon. What? So we're going to fast till 11. 11. Central time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll all be on Central Time for. We're fasting. We'll break the fast the same time as Dallas. It's just easier for us to follow the restaurant schedule, and then the dudes can even eat again or two. So we'll have a real brunch. At 11. That's brunch. That's real brunch time. Actually, we'll break the fast at Nora's time. What time? In honor of our guests. Oh. It's already traumatic traveling. So the Prashadam will be back. It's been left. I just offered it. So it'll be in the back kitchen. At 11? So don't be late otherwise. Otherwise, it's just quinoa. Okay, Shiva Prabhupada Ki Jai, Shiva Guru Tishra Gaspapaji Maharaj Ki Jai, Lord Buddha Ki Jai. There you go. You have the honors. Yeah, yeah I think that it's about three days old when I'm in there now. It's the only pastime where I thought Gorky Shore. He was telling his followers.